Blog Talk Radio. Enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Your end time watchman. Bringing you light in a dark world. Where truth is rivaled with a lie. And the matrix is normal life. Luke 21. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars. And upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. With power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass. Then look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. You are now in the zone. So be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days. So you will be ready for the coming of the Lord. You are in the zone. The prophecy zone. So join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with Bible prophecy. So you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody. This is Brenda Johnson on As the Day Approaches. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to join me on my show. We are still talking about Islam, and we are coming to the end of my series, and we will be starting to go into Israel related to Islam. But today we are going to talk about something that... um, there's a lot of curiosity about and the title I have today is called Islam and the Assyrian. Hold on a second. Sorry about that. I had one small detail that I didn't take care of, so I I had to do that real quick. We are going to discuss this, and if you want to join me in this discussion about the Assyrian, uh, the Antichrist, which some are calling the Assyrian, actually the scriptures call him the Assyrian, we are going to take a look at Islam in this, and if you want to call in the Call-in number is 347-826-7088, and I will see if you can join this conversation. Whether it's a comment or a question, I'll do my best to answer this particular subject. In Isaiah 31.4, it says, This is what the Lord says to me. As a lion growls, a great lion over his prey, and through the whole band of shepherds is called together against him, he is not frightened by their shouts or disturbed by their clamor. So the Lord God Almighty will come down to do battle on Zion and on its heights. The Antichrist, as many guises, has many guys, you know, titles and many uh, names. One of the names he goes by is the King of Babylon, or the Syrian. Uh, and just so you are aware, the Babylon uh, was part of the Assyrian Empire. 
he's also referred to as the king of Tyre, the prince of Tyre, and the cedar of Lebanon. Now, he has several other names, Satan or the Antichrist, and uh, these are, of course, the Antichrist in 1 John 2.22, man of sin and son of perdition, 2 Thessalonians 2.3, lawless one, 2 Thessalonians 2.8-9, the beast, Revelation 11.7, bloody and deceitful man, Psalm 5.6, the wicked one in second man of the earth psalm 1018 mighty man psalm 52 1 the enemy psalm 53 55 3 adversary psalm 74 8 through 10 head over many countries psalm 6. violent man Psalm 140, verse 1, Assyrian, which is Isaiah 10, 5, and 12, King of Babylon, Isaiah 14, 4, Son of the Morning, Isaiah 14, 12, Abominable Branch, Isaiah 14, 19, Spoiler, Isaiah 16, 4, The Nail, Isaiah 22:25 branch of the terrible ones Ezekiel 21:25 through 27 king of Tyre is in Ezekiel 28:12 little or younger horn Daniel 7:8 coming prince and prince of the covenant Daniel 9:26-11 vile person Daniel 11:21 will for king Daniel 11:36 idle shepherd Zechariah 11:16-17 and angel of the bottomless pit Revelation 9:11 these are just several names and if you wonder why I went through those I want you to have an idea of these names and if you wanted to uh, write down those scriptures you can do that for further study Isaiah 14, in Isaiah 14, the king of Babylon is identified as Satan. And here is what it says in this. O shining star, son of the morning, how you have fallen from heaven. And to him, the Bible says, you shall be cast from your grave, and you shall both be united with them, the one, the other kings of the earth, in burial, because you ruined your land and you have slain your people. And this agrees with Revelation 19, where we see the Antichrist thrown alive into the lake of fire. It is the embodiment of Satan as the Antichrist, Satan in the flesh deceiving people as the false Messiah. It says this, I will break the Assyrian in my land and tread him underfoot. Here, Satan, Lucifer, is addressed as a man. They that see... These shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, This is the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms. Now the question is, when did this angelic 
Lucifer become man. Clearly, this is Satan in the flesh. Thus, the Babylon king is not Nebuchadnezzar or any other ruler of ancient Babylon. All the, from Isaiah 14, 14, all the way to verse 23 is about Satan. And then suddenly verse 24 and 25 use end time terminology. So what I'm saying here is that that it, these passages are not in reference to the king of Babylon or Nebuchadnezzar. It is to a future Antichrist. Now, I'm giving you an introduction of the Antichrist, and probably a lot of you who have chosen to hear this show uh, already know a lot about the Antichrist because you're in in a, a, a study of prophecy. But give me a little leeway as I am saying this for some who do not know and who are not aware of this. So if you have a little patience as I go through some of this, we'll put it all together, and I will uh, show you where I'm going with this. Okay, as I have purposed, it shall rise to break. I shall rise. It shall rise to break Assyria in my hand, and on my mountains I will trample him. This is the purpose uh, that it is done on the earth, and this is the hand that is stretched out on all the nations. The text suddenly goes from describing the Antichrist destruction to describing the destruction of Assyria without any apparent break. In Isaiah, the king Assyria is very descriptive of the Antichrist. Isaiah 30, 30-31 confirms this. It says, Yahweh will make the majesty of his voice heard. The lowering of his arm will show with raging anger and a consuming flame, cloudburst, and for by the voice of Yahweh, Assyria is crushed. It's that unmistakable terminology signifying the day of the Lord where his arm is referring to Jesus as is the case throughout Isaiah, including Isaiah 3.1. This is not the Assyria of the moment, but an end times Assyria, which is destroyed at the fiery coming of Jesus on dark and temptuous clouds when he destroys Satan by a breath of his mouth and by the sword of his mouth. Isaiah reveals you know, an outcome for the man who would be a modern Nebuchadnezzar and threaten all creature creation with his terrible weapons. Okay? For I will rise up against them, says the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon its name and remnant and offspring and posterity, says the Lord. I will sweep it with the broom of destruction. Daniel's dream in, in uh, Daniel 7, and I'm going to bring you there first, uh, you know, after this. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying, on, lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, 
each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until the wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of of a human was given it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your seal of flesh. Now, some people believe that uh, this end-time scenario was fulfilled in Antiochus Epiphanes. Some people believe that the little horn mentioned in verse 8 of Daniel 7 and verse 23 through 25 refers to Antiochus Epiphanes and has already been fulfilled um, <clears throat> and here is the scripture that, that is referring to. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Now, they conclude this based on a few things that seem to match with the scripture and here they are a little horn which grew exceedingly great this was fulfilled and i'm and i am actually stating what those who believe that the little horn of daniel was already fulfilled in antiochus epiphanies now this is important to me and it's interest you know it's interest to me because i was raised catholic and they believe that the things in Revelation has already happened. Now, I want to tell you that I am no longer Catholic. I left the Catholic Church based on doctrines um, when I was 17 years old. I've left the Catholic Church. And I also debated and actually disagreed with their view on the second coming of Christ. So this is not my personal view. This is the view that I want to show you because I want you to see something um, in this um, idea of Antiochus Epiphany because this is actually history and uh, we want to kind of compare what history it was compared to what our future is going to be. And I find it kind of interesting how these are... Uh, paralleled to the actual coming Antichrist. So this is what is stated. And again, I don't know I don't believe these statements, but this is what they believe. Okay, the little horn which grew exceedingly great. This was they say this was fulfilled in one of the four successors to Alexander the Great. Since the dominion of this horn was extended toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land, which we say is Israel, we can identify this historical fulfillment of this little horn in Antiochus uh, for Epiphanes, who ruled over Syria and Israel's land under this Seleucid dynasty. Now, the Seleucid dynasty I talked about in uh, some of my shows when I talked about Persia in the history of Persia. And the Seleucid dynasty has a pretty important 
uh, pretty important um, uh, influence in the last days. Now, Antiochus Epiphany, they say, is an accurate and dramatic fulfillment of this prophecy in history. So much so that critics insist that the book of Daniel must have been written after his time. And this is this is what happened. And Daniel actually prophesied the coming of this uh, a ruler such as this. Antiochus Epiphanes exerted his dominion toward the south, toward the east, and toward the land of Israel. Antiochus Epiphanes murdered other rulers and persecuted the people of Israel, cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. That's the scripture they take from that. Antiochus Epiphanes blasphemed God and commanded idolatrous worship directed toward himself. And the scripture is exalted himself as high as the prince of, of the host. Antiochus Epiphanes put a stop to temple sacrifices in Jerusalem. By him, the daily sacrifices were taken, taken away. Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple, the place of his sacrifice. The sanctuary was cast down. Antiochus Epiphany opposed God and seemed to prosper. He cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Now, it, it cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground, Scripture says, but this is how they compare it with this. Uh, these are symbols used in the Old Testament for angels, kings, and leaders, or the people of God at large. Here it is fulfilled in Antiochus Epiphanes and his attacks against rulers and God's people in general. And the verse says, and trampled them. Antiochus was a, an infamous persecutor of Jewish people. Now, I want you to hear a lot of this because I want to show you something that's going on today. He wanted them to submit to Greek culture and customs and was more than willing to use murder and violence to compel them. Antiochus' suppression of the Jews came to a head in December of 168 B.C. when he returned in, uh, he returned in defeat from Alexandria, he ordered his generals to seize Jerusalem on a Sabbath. There he re- erected an idol of Zeus and desecrated the altar by an offering of swine and sprinkling the pig's juices in the sanctuary. Sacrifice was ceased because the temple was desecrated. In 1 Maccabees 129.32 and 15261 now let me tell you that this is the apocrypha this is not um canonized scripture that we have in our our bibles now as a catholic growing up the apocrypha was canonized by the catholic church as being legitimate because it supported some of their uh doctrines of praying to saints and praying to the dead uh, and there's a few other things but we're not going to get into the catholic church today <laughs> maybe on another talk, but First Maccabees is um, Apocrypha, just so you know, if you want to go look that up, that is Apocrypha material. And they say it describes how Antiochus per- persecuted the Jews. 
1 Maccabees 1, 41 through 50 describes his blasphemies. By some estimates, he is responsible for the murder of more than 100,000 Jews. Now this, and why I'm saying all this, is seemingly a foreshadow, maybe, you know, of of the Antichrist or the fulfillment of the end-time prophecy. Antiochus Epiphany was not the Antichrist, though he had an Antichrist spirit and actions. He was not the Antichrist because we see that we're still here. We're still living in sin. We are still, well, we're, let me rephrase that. Sin is still on our planet. Not all of us are living in sin, hopefully. And I wouldn't want you guys living in sin or myself. So, But we are living around sin, and uh, there hasn't been any millennium uh, freedom to live under the reign of Christ physically. Because he is going to physically come back to the earth and reign in Jerusalem. And he has not done that yet. So the Antichrist has not come. The fulfillment of end-time prophecy has not been done. This is way even before um, Christ ever came. So that would be kind of hard for him to be the fulfillment. Now, notice in Daniel 7.25, there is something that you need to be aware of that really emphasizes the point that this could not have been fulfilled. Even though the Jews were persecuted by Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, the saints were not because the saints didn't exist yet. It says in verse 725 that he will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints. Jews that are not called saints, well, there are Messianic Jews who are saints, but uh, the saints are you and I, the church. And so uh, he is going to persecute the church. So that is a key thing to remember that this cannot have been the Antichrist. Now, um, Daniel seven twenty three through twenty five. I'm going to repeat this. He gave he gave me this explanation. Daniel speaking. The fourth beast is the fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will rise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against Most High, and they will oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and a half a times. Now, if that doesn't scare you, then... I don't know, you know, what to say about that because I remember when I first read it when I was uh, a teenager, I I read that and it's like, he will hand me, you know, us over to be persecuted uh, by the Antichrist. I know some of you, we're not going to get into a rapture when it happens or what time or whatever, but... The fact that the scripture says that we will be persecuted as the saints is a fact. 
and we all need to be, be, be prepared to suffer for the sake of the gospel, especially if we are coming close to these last days, because I believe the church will be going through uh, very, very difficult times, um, and I believe that uh, we are close at hand. So I pray that you guys, that all of us will be ready to stand for our faith. The Antichrist's predecessor, the little horn, Antiochus Epiphanes, was from Syria and therefore an Assyrian. So that's why some people believe that he was fit the whole entire scenario. Today, the seed of Satan, where the Antichrist might rise, is uh, give and take Turkey. How does Turkey fit in with being an Assyrian? Well, the Assyrian homeland encompasses what was once the core of the Assyrian Empire. If you look on a map, uh, you will see that the Assyrian Empire included modern eastern Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, Israel, western Iran, Kuwait, Iraq, and Egypt. Um, Last week's show, uh, Islam, the Beast, the Crescent, and the Black Stone, I went over this briefly. I just mentioned it, and I'm going to say this part again, but last week, even though you don't know what the uh, Black Stone or the Crescent is, especially if you don't know what those are, it is very important for you to go and find out what these are because this is the core worship of Islam, and I believe it goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. I believe it is Mesopotamia. I believe it's the Babylonian religion. I believe it's the Ur of Chaldea religion, in which Abraham was taken out of uh, by God. Uh, it is the Persian em- Empire religion, and it is now forming its way, formed and disguised, I guess. It's really not disguised, but it is uh, in Islam today. And that's what that show is all about, to show you what exactly uh, they do in their worship and also how it connects with some of these ancient religious practices. Okay, the four kingdoms. The, the Greek Macedonian region ruled by Cassander. Macedonia is the Muslim-majority state today. Uh, these are the four kingdoms. The Thracia-Turkey region, which would include Bulgaria and Turkey today, ruled by Lysmachus, and later called the Byzantine Empire, and this is Muslim today. The Babylonian Persian region, including southern Russia, Muslim today, Afghanistan, Muslim today, Iran, Muslim today, Syria, Muslim today, Lebanon, Muslim today, Arabia, Muslim today, and all the coastline in the city of Tyre, Lebanon, and the majority of that is Muslim. The region was known as the Seleucid Dynasty, which Antiochus Epiphany ruled over. So, uh, the, these kingdoms are all Islamic today. The whole of Egypt, with, which in prophecy includes Libya, and the Nubians are Muslim regions today. 
This, the Antichrist, comes from the Grecian Empire and most likely Asia Minor. That he comes from the north is again confirmed in in uh, Daniel 8, verse 9. Now, out of them came another horn which started small but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. The horns, which is kind of different than what we've kind of, we've looked at in history, are a combination of empires, not necessarily uh, countries today that are combined together, but empires. And the Bible is pretty, uh, you know, God introduces empires a lot in Scripture, and he tells us about them, and he prophesies about them. Uh, one of the empires, which, you know, if you want to look at these as the horns, was the Egyptian Empire. The Babylonian Empire was a horn. Assyrian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, and the Ottoman Empire. Now, the Greek Empire had four horns of leaders. And then the Roman Empire was what was in the time of Christ. And then the Ottoman Empire. And out of that is going to come something Different. The Assyrian Empire, uh, if you look at a map, you will find that the Babylonian Empire, Assyrian Empire, Persian Empire, the Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, the Greek Empire, and Ottoman, Ottoman most of these empires were pretty much in the same re- region. Now, the Assyrian Empire, as I look at a map, goes from Israel, or the top of Israel, through uh, all along the coast, through Turkey, all the way up to the Black Sea. And then it goes all the way over to uh, southern Russia, down through uh, past Iran, all the way, well, getting close to Iran, I should say, all the way down to the Persian Gulf in the area of um, the Euphrates River and the Babylonian Empire or area. Very interesting because this, like I said, uh, is a lot of where these empires took place. And all of them pretty much today are Muslim. Now, I want to go back a little bit to Nimrod. Nimrod, you know, a lot of us know who he is. Uh, He is only mentioned in three passages in the Bible, but all of us know his name. Micah 5, 6, uh, Assyria, Assyria is called the land of Nimrod. And First Chronicles one ten quotes a portion of the third, the most important reference is generation or gener- Genesis ten eight through twelve. In Genesis ten eight, as Jabal was the inventor of music, so Nimrod was the first warrior, the first hunter. He became a mighty hunter before and against Yahweh. So that it is said, a mighty hunter before Yahweh like Nimrod. 
the first builder of cities and ruler of a widespread dominion. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and we see what happened with that in the land of Shinar. Out of that land he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh. Uh, the general statement that Assyria was originally an offshoot and dependence on Babylon is substantially in accordance with Assyrian and Babylonian authorities. So, Babylon and, and Assyria were connected. Um, now, there's there's a slight confusion as to the identity of Nimrod, just who built Nineveh, because there is some, some confusion about that. Was it Asher or was it Nimrod? Was it the Assyrian or was it Nimrod? The Darby version is helpful, but all the more mystery surrounds. And this is what it says. And Cush begot Nimrod, he began to be mighty on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before or against Jehovah. Therefore, it is said, as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before Jehovah. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Kalneh in the land of Shinar. From that land went out Asher and built Nineveh and Rehoboth and Ur and Kala. So there's a little bit of confusion of who built Nineveh says at one point that it was that it was uh, Nimrod, and the other point it was Asher, and um, but that's not very 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 important part of our study, but it is kind of interesting that there is um, a little bit slight confusion on who that is, but the fact that Nim, uh, Nimrod was in Assyria and Babylon and and started the first religion, the first commerce, the first polit politics, the first dominion against the Lord. That is significant. We also find the sons of Ham were Cush, Mizram, Put, and Canaan. Cush bought Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. Canaan begot Sidon, as in Tyre and Sidon, and the race of the Canaanites began in First Chronicles 1.8. Now, regarding Noah's curse upon Ham, which fell on Canaan, Genesis 9.25, cursed be Canaan, who defamed the man Noah, who was created in the image of God. Now, the 11 sons of Canaan, Genesis 10-15-18, are, are contrasted to the 12 sons of Jacob in Israel. Now, I'm going to say something that is going to be kind of odd, but there's a reason I'm saying it. Because if uh, we believe, you know, we don't fight against principalities, or we don't fight against people, but principalities and powers, that anything outside of Christianity is satanic in or origin, okay? Jewish, I would, you know, that's not satanic in origin, because that is our heritage. So, but there is a blinders on the Jews to receive they in rejecting Jesus as a messiah so but anything that is deceptive we can say is in satan now in the in in numerology, which is a study of the occult use and supposed power of numbers 
uh, bears witness to the Antichrist. And I'm, I'm throwing this in there because it's a little bit interesting. The 11 in numerology bears witness to the Antichrist, which the sons of Canaan had 11, 11 sons. The 11th horn, and to Judas Iscariot making 12 disciples. 11, whereas 12 is the divine calculation of the triune God. Three times the creation of man, four times uh, equal 12 or, or God and man in multiple harmony and relationships. So I do not believe in numerology, but it's interesting how some of, some of these numbers in the occult agrees with itself when it talks about Babel in Nimrod. Here we have the struggle for the land until this day. This, you know, uh, the, store, the word Canaan actually means merchant, wherein lies the epistemological origins of uh, commercialism and its linkage, which really means where you buy and sell. Okay. Uh, the king of Tyre of the Canaanites, the Phoenicians, the Punic people, the sh and ships merchants of Tarshish, the western trading nations, to Israel's apostasy, apostasy in Jezebel and King Ahab, until Babylon's commercial exploitations in Revelation 18. And that means the harlot, where, where it's selling and, and prostituting itself among the nations. And then they will end with a fiery judgment at the close of, of the age, you know. And so, um, in the day, in the millennial reign of the Messiah, there shall be no longer any Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts, Zechariah 14.21. Commercial Babylon found in Revelation 18 in its composition um, appears that religious Babylon and commercial or trading uh, Babylon are, are one and the same, uh, just as it was in the days of Jezebel and King Ahab. Political Babylon is definitely associated with Nimrod's exploits, whose defiance against the Lord as well as his reliance upon political will and armaments coupled with religion make him an ideal prototype of the Antichrist. Therefore, Nimrod's connection with the Antichrist is altogether plausible for Nimrod's astrological fascinations are renowned. Okay, so <clears throat> it is therefore no small affair as Syria, prior to Babylon, moved upon Israel's ten northern tribes, bringing them into captivity in 772 B.C. Then Neo-Babylonia, under King Nebuchadnezzar, took the remainder of the Israelites from Judah and Benjamin, deporting them in 597 B.C. Therefore, the linkage of Assyria, Nimrod, Babylon, is most probable and surely to wholly distinguish the land of the north as holy Babylon without Assyrian influences and approximation borders on intellectual myopia and as short-sightedness. <clears throat> In Zechariah 2.6, 
And six six it says, Come flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Zechariah six six says the one with the black horses is going to toward the north country, the one with the white horses toward the west, and the one with the dappled horses toward the south. I'm not gonna get into those scriptures, but the Neo Babylonian Empire or Second Babylonian Empire was a period of Mesopotamian history which began in six twenty seven BC and ended in five thirty nine BC. <clears throat> now it says in Isaiah Isaiah fourteen The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so will it will be, and as I have purposed, so it will sing. And I see the Assyrian in my hand on my mountains. I will trample him down. His yoke will be taken from my people and his burden removed from their shoulders. This is the plan determined for the whole world. This is the the hand stretched over the nations. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? Now, the king of Babylon, I, I, we can see, is Lucifer, the devil. <clears throat> God also calls him the Assyrian near the end of the passage. Although his kingdom will include the entire world, this passage defines the eastern bounding, boundary of his throne as Iraq. And why that is very interesting is because, as I've said in some of my shows about um, the Mahdi, uh, in the one that talks about Jesus, the Islamic um, Jesus, uh, the Mahdi in 666, I talk about how um, the Mahdi will, ri- where he will rise, he will rise in Saudi Arabia, he will go uh, to a, a significant city in ba- in uh, Iraq and set up his government. And then he will make a treaty with Israel for seven years, and in the middle of the seven years, he will break it. Now, this is Islamic eschatology. And he will reign in Jerusalem, and their goal is to reign out of Jerusalem as the holy city. And that is quite fascinating that that the Islamic uh, eschatology is actually paralleling itself with biblical eschatology. Now, does Islam have an antichrist spirit? And can the antichrist come from Islam? These are two questions that I want to ask today on this program kind of introduced you to the Antichrist, the Assyrian. And I want to take a look at Islam and see, show you an Antichrist spirit within Islam. I also want to show you, um, you know, I've actually showed you in some of the other shows I did that the Antichrist uh, coming from Islam. So what we'll we'll reiterate some of this stuff, okay? We're going to take a look at the Antichrist uh, spirit in Islam. Now, I'm I'm getting this information uh, from a book 
The Islamic Antichrist by Joel Richardson. I want to tell you that this is not the only uh, resource I have. Of course, the Bible, of course, the uh, Internet and articles, uh, about 10 different articles on the Assyrian, um, the Antichrist, the spirit of Islam. I've read at least 10 books on Islamic eschatology, including uh, Why I Left Jihad and uh, by Walid Shabbat, but I do not take any book as a final answer. I use books to uh, gain insight. And so this so happens to be a book that uh, the Islamic Antichrist by Joel Richardson has some things in it that I really like for you to see. So, First John 4, 3, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. First John 2, 22 through 23, who is the liar? Is it the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Such a man, man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Second John 1, 7. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, even now is already in the world. And we know that there's a lot of Antichrist spirit. But I want to focus on Islam and see what kind of spirit and how do they do they actually have uh, a a how do I say it in their religion an antichrist spirit within their religion? <clears throat> the antichrist spirit denies that Jesus is is the Christ and the Messiah, the Savior, Deliverer of Israel and the world. The Antichrist spirit denies the Father and the Son, the Trinity, or that Jesus is the Son of God. The Antichrist spirit denies that Jesus has come in the flesh, the incarnation, that God became man. Now, the religion of Islam, more than any other religion, philosophy, or belief system, fulfills the description of the Antichrist spirit. The religion of Islam makes one of its highest priorities the denial of all three of the points points regarding Jesus and his relationship to the Father. Now, in fact, we can fairly claim that Islam is a direct polemical response against those essential Christian doctrines. Regarding the previous points, however, Muslims will be quick to argue that Islam teaches that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. But that is really just trickery. And you've got to be careful because they have a, um, a rule in in their philosophy that it's okay to lie or deceive in order to reach an end result that is favorable to Islam. So it's okay for them to lie to you about their intentions it is okay for them to uh, to lead you into something that you disagree with only to hopefully get you to dive into it with all your heart, okay? 
Um, while it is well, it's true that Islam does retain the title of Messiah for Jesus, when one asks a Muslim to define what the title Messiah actually means in Islam, the definitions given are always hollow and fall entirely short of containing any truly messianic substance. In Islam, Jesus is merely another prophet in a very long line of prophets. Biblically speaking, however, the role of the Messiah, among other things, entails being a divine priestly savior, a deliverer, and the king of the Jews. Rather than delivering his uh, his followers, the Muslim Jesus, and I've talked about this a lot in my uh, the Islamic Jesus uh, radio program. I encourage you to listen to that because I, I talk about this in detail. Um, the Islam, the Muslim Jesus leads Israel, Israel's enemies against her, and seeks to convert or kill all the Jews and Christians to Islam. This would be the equivalent of calling Adolf, Adolf Hitler rather than Moses, Israel's deliverer. But the Apostle John informs us that in the last hour, a man is coming who will fully personify the Antichrist spirit and deny many of the essential biblical doctrines regarding who Jesus is and what he came to do. That man will be the Antichrist. There are two things that you need to understand in this religion if you do not understand them. And those two things that are very important for a Muslim is Taweed and Shirk. Now, in a lot of my series of my programs on Islam, I did not go into a lot of their belief systems. I didn't. I, I focused on eschatology, so I didn't really go into wholeheartedly what their different um, religious beliefs are um, in a detailed way. That would be kind of a different focus that I would have on the shows. But I am going to show you a couple of things that they uh, believe in. And Taweed and Shirk are very important. In order to properly understand the Antichrist spirit of Islam, there are two doctrines that must be first understood. Taweed refers to the belief in the absolute oneness of God doesn't sound bad, but just wait and see. Islam adheres to the strictest form of Unitarian monotheism possible. In Islam, God is utterly one. But in order to understand Taweed, one must understand it is more than just a doctrine. In Islam, belief in Taweed is an absolute commandment. And if adherence to Taweed is the highest and most important commandment in Islam, then the greatest sin is shirk. Shirk is, in essence, idolatry. That's what that means. From the Invitation to Islam newsletter published by a Muslim group from Toronto, we read a similar telling statement, a very telling statement that helps us to understand exactly how shirk is viewed by Muslims. Murder, and quote, this is a quote, murder, rape, child molesting, and genocide. These are all some of the appalling crimes which occur in our world today. 
Many would think that these are the worst possible offenses which could be committed, but there is something which outweighs all of these crimes put together. It is the crime of shirk. Idolatry. Many, thus, you know, many Muslims feel as though believing in the Trinity or ascribing divinity to Jesus are among the greatest sins conceivable. In fact, believing in these essential Christian doctrines is more than just a sin. It is the most heinous, heinous of all crimes. In the Muslim mind, shirk refers not only to the beliefs of polytheists or pagans, but also the essential historical doctrines of the Christian faith. Islam also denies the sonship of Christ. The uh, the religion of Islam has as one of its foundational beliefs a direct denial of Jesus as God's son. This denial is found several times throughout the Quran. Quote, in, blasph- in blasphemy indeed are those that say that God is Christ, the son of Mary. Surah 517, Yusuf Ali. Quote, they say God has gotten a son. Glory be to him. He is self-sufficient. His are all things in heavens and, heavens and on earth. No warrant have ye for this. Say ye but Allah what you know not. Surah 10:68-92. Rashad Palafi. Now, if you're wondering about uh, the uh, what the surah and what these are, you know, this is a translation from Arabic, and they say that to get to un- the un- the correct understanding, you have to speak Arabic. So a lot of the translations or the interpretations of what is said in Arabic is not very good because Arabic itself and the Quran and the things in the Quran and the Hadith are a little bit hard to to read and understand. Quote, the Christians call Christ the son of Allah. That is saying from their mouth in this that they imitate what the believers of old used to say, Allah's curse be on them, how they are deluded away from the truth. Now the Quran pronounces a curse on all those who believe that Jesus is God's son. Now people who say such things utter gross blasphemies, as they say, and are likened to unbelievers or infidels. Without question then, it is in this regard, Islam is an antichrist religious system. Now, I don't know much about Jim Hacking, but you guys might know him. I think I have watched him a few times on um, the Internet. And because there is some some guy who used to be a priest, a Jesuit priest, or some guy who says he was a Christian, and he converted to Islam. And uh, he said this, the thing I've always latched to is that there is one God he doesn't have equals. He doesn't need a son to come do his work. End quote. This man says that there is 
there is no sun. And God God doesn't need a sun to do his work. It takes away completely the blood and atonement of Christ who did the work on the cross. Now, Islam attempts to create an acceptable form of monotheistic worship, yet it not only leaves out the most essential aspects of a saving relationship with God, but it also directly confronts these things and calls them the highest forms of blasphemy. Quote, far be it from God that he should have a son, end quote. These words encircle the inside of the Dome of the Rock. I'm going to say that again. The Dome of the Rock, which is where? On the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Far be it from God that he should have a son. These are written inside. Though I've never been inside there, I've never been to Israel. I'm sure some of you have probably even seen it if you've been there, if you've been in the Dome of the Rock. But that mosque in Jerusalem has those words. It's very blasphemous to us as Christians to say that God has no son because that is the core of of the gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Core of our salvation. Now these... um, And and this the saying is blasphemous too in that the very location where for centuries God's people, the Jews, worshipped in their temple awaiting their Messiah, it says that God has no son. This is also where Jesus, the Son of God, and the Jewish Messiah will someday rule over the earth. Islam has built a monument of utter defiance to this future reality. And in Islam, in, like I said, their eschatology, they believe that the Mahdi is going to rule from Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem. Now, on my last show on the Islam, the beast, the the crescent, and the black stone, I wanted to say the, the, the in that, but it didn't give me room in the show. So it just says the beast, the crescent, and the black stone. The Kaaba... I talk about that. It is a square black hut or building in Mecca where followers of Islam do Hajj. Now, Hajj is where they go around seven times in circle. And you've probably seen this picture of millions, I don't know how many, thousands, millions of Muslims walk the Hajj. A lot of them uh, just wear a white cloak and uh, no clothes underneath it. Yeah, I'm giving you a picture. Uh, uh, They, in the Hajj, or in the Kaaba, the black square box or hut, uh, they would probably be insulted that they call it a hut or a box, but I don't know what to call it, uh, used to house 360 gods. Now, Muhammad destroyed these idols in honor, uh, to honor one god. With the sign of the crescent representing the moon god, who was con- he was considered the one god above all the other gods in the Kaaba. So that's why he picked the one god, the ultimate one god, over all the 360 gods, and then he smashed all the other idols 
which now Islam says, yeah, well, he is, he he smashed all the idols, but he he didn't smash them all because the black stone is an idol. It's not a man. It's not a form of anything. It's a meteorite that fell down, or they say it fell down from the sky, just like the Quran was given from heaven. Uh, the meteor, the meteor, which was a white stone at the beginning, uh, fell down, and uh, in the time of Adam. And on that stone, if you touch it, you leave your sins there. The reason why it's black is because so many sinful people, men especially, have touched it and now it's turned black because of their sin. They call this stone a blasphemous thing to us in Christianity as the cornerstone. And they use our scriptures, the scripture, the Bible, and say that Jesus referred to the black stone as the cornerstone of faith. Well, Jesus in our faith is the cornerstone. But this black stone, which they touch and they kiss, is the the cornerstone. Okay. And they still worship these the black stone. Now, if you look at the black stone, it looks a little bit odd because it's been framed in something called, okay, uh, it is actually looks like a vagina of a woman. And the reason why it looks like that is because the black stone used to be uh, used for sexual fertility, and they used to do sexual things on the stone. Okay, I'm not going to go into that, but it looks like a female vagina, and they kiss it and caress it and all. Okay, we're not going to go into that imagery, but to say that that black stone is the cornerstone is blasphemy to the Christian religion, as the same as denying that Jesus is... uh, uh, that is uh, that God does not have a son. <clears throat> they also um, deny the Trinity. Islam applies the same claim of blasphemy to those who believe in the Trinity. And they say we commit a blasphemy. Quote, Surah 573, it says, they do blaspheme who say Allah is one of three in a trinity, for there is no God except one Allah. If they desist not from their word of blasphemy, verily a grievous penalty will befall their blasphemers among them. Thus believe in, in the trinity is also denied as blasphemy. But what is the grievous penalty? That that shall befall those who believe such things. Many Muslims ironically expect their version of Jesus to return and kill these polytheistic Trinitarian Christians. That is, you and I. So Jesus is going to come back and kill us, or the Islamic Jesus, I should say. He is actually going to come back with the Mahdi, and he is going to be serving the Mahdi. He is going to give honor to the Mahdi, and he is going to make everybody else worship the Mahdi. And if you don't, off with your head. And the Quran does not stop at denying that Jesus is the Son of God or that God exists as a Trinity. Islam denies the cross. The Apostle Paul warned 
the Thessalonians that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Philippians 3.18. It should not come as a surprise then that Islam, who denies the most central event of all of redemptive history, the crucifixion of Jesus, speaking to Jews of Jesus' day, the Quran says, this is out of the Quran, Surah 4, 157-158, that they said in boast, we killed Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of Allah, but they killed him not, nor crucified him, but so it was made to appear to them. And those who differ therein are full of doubts with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow for of a surety they killed him not. Nay, Allah raised him up unto himself, and Allah is exalted in power wise. So they denied Jesus was crucified. Islamic scholars put forth conflicting theories regarding exactly what happened to Jesus. Now, ironically, regarding the issue, it is actually they who are the ones who have only conjecture to follow. But despite the inability of Muslims to arrive at any form of consensus regarding what happened to Jesus, they are very much in agreement on at least one issue. He was not crucified. This passage of the Quran makes at least this much clear. Wait a minute. I'm losing my spot here. <clears throat> Computers, I love them. Now, how does the Antichrist spirit of Islam affect Muslims? Uh, so we see that, that Islam very specifically and very deliberately denies all three of the doctrines that the Apostle John says the Antichrist spirit will deny. The Quran does not merely deny these doctrines, but expresses utter disdain for them, actually cursing those who believe these things, accusing them of gross blasphemy. But how do these Quranic attitudes then affect Muslims? The two groups that express the strongest degree of contempt and mockery towards the gospel have been Satanists and Muslims. While many religions and systems of belief exist that do not agree with the doctrines of Christianity, many of which do not even believe in God, only Islam fills the role, the role of a religion that exists to deny the core Christian beliefs. And, of course, following that, the lead of the Quran, the three doctrines most severely and most often attacked and mocked by Muslims are the doctrine, doctrines of the Trinity, the divine incarnation, and the atoning sacrifice, crucifixion of Jesus. They say the doctrine of atoning sacrifice of Jesus is archaic and pagan as, as to a human sacrifice to some kind of volcano god. We should not be surprised to find that one of the descriptions of the Antichrist is that he will be very fond of uttering great blasphemous blasphemies against the God of the Bible. Since in Daniel 11.36, the king will do as he pleases. He will say unheard of things against the God of gods. Daniel 7.25, he will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints. The Quran itself expresses such blasphemies. Blatant Antichrist spirit in Quranic passages, 
quite often blooms into an overt disdain and utter contempt, not only for Christian beliefs, but also for Christians themselves. While this is not always the case, should we really be surprised when Muslims act out against those whom the Quran curses as idolatrous, infidel blasphemers? So if they're, they're lashing out at us, we should not be surprised by that because the Quran tells them to do so and says that we are blaspheming them. And if we are being realistic, should we expect the future of Islam to rest with those Muslims who identify with the chronic scorn for Christians or with those who show an admirable attitude despite the curses of their own holy book? And there are not very many of those. In regard to whether or not Islam is specifically the Antichrist system that the Bible foretells, there can be no question that this, the second largest, fastest growing religion in the world is and has been from its conception, the very beginning, the quintessence of the very Antichrist spirit about which John the Apostle warned us. One thing about an Antichrist spirit is the persecution of the Jews and the saints. It says that the Antichrist is going to persecute the saints and it's going to specifically uh, persecute in greater numbers, uh, the saints during the tribulation time and the, the period of distress upon the earth. Uh, so, does Islam have an Antichrist spirit that actually uh, goes after the Jews and the Christians? Out of his book, Why I Left Jihad, Walid Shabbat shares this comment made by, by uh, someone in Palestine. He is a Muslim. It was a good quote. Okay, i got to tell you a quote. It was a good day for the Jews when the, not, when the Nazi Hitler began his campaign of persecution against them, right? Sif Ali Al-Gurnuna, I cannot say his name, forgive me, Al-Hayat Ajadida, a Palestinian newspaper. They began... And this is what he said. They began to decimate in a terrifying manner pictures of mass shootings directed at them and to invent the shocking story about gas ovens in which, according to them, Hitler used to burn them. The newspapers are filled with pictures of Jews who were moved down by, uh, mowed down by Hitler's machine guns and of Jews being led to the gas ovens. In these pictures, they concentrated on women, babies, and old people, and they took advantage of it in order to elicit sympathy towards them. When they demanded, they demand financial reparations, contributions, and grants from all over the world. The truth is, is, is that the persecution of the Jews is a myth that the Jews dubbed the tragedy of the Holocaust and took advantage of in order to elicit sympathy towards them. And that's exactly what uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad says as well, is that, that the Holocaust was uh, a myth. Now, we were talking about Syria, and Syria being a place of, uh, in times, um, the rise of the Antichrist, the rise of, of, of that area, that empire, could be several places. I'm not making any predictions of where the Antichrist is actually going to rise because, frankly, I do not know for sure. We have to wait and watch. Um, <clears throat> but 
it seems like this empire, which has been repeating itself in different forms, the Babylonian Empire and the, the Syrian Empire, et cetera, et cetera, uh, are over the same area of land. Uh, so you can pretty much think that out of that area, the Antichrist will rise. So um, what is Islam today? And, well, what, have, what has it been in history since uh Jesus came on earth? Was there persecution in this area? Now, in Assyria, the rise of Islam was pro propagated through fire and iron. <clears throat> Excuse me. All non-Muslims had two options, to change their faith or to die. So the great majority of the populations became Muslim. So we see that these areas are now Muslim. How do they get Muslim? And that is because of the persecution they implemented on the Jews and on the people of the Christians. Uh, the Eastern Empire of Constantinople um, managed to drive back the Muslims in the 8th century and protected the Christianity of Europe. But Assyrians who lived in the center of Islamic expansion suffer, suffered a lot. And I do have a call coming in, so I think I'll try to answer it. See if I could try it. See. I don't know if I lost the caller or what. So if you did try to call in, try to call back because this would be my first time I'm trying to answer an online caller. So uh, if you are the caller, we can call back. I'll try to answer you the the best I know how. So just give me patience because I'm trying to, to have call-ins, and I think it will be quite interesting to have some conversation with people who want to uh, interact. So we'll work together on that. So, okay, so during the, the Patriarchate or the, the, the bishops, the time of the bishops of Mark Kanansu one in 686 to 701 A.D., the caliph Abd al-Malik imprisons and tortures the patriarch and places another bishop in his place. Abd al-Malik was the first to insist on the collection of the poll tax from the Christians. Now, the poll tax was, was uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, what's that name? Um, what is the name of the dog? Anyway, there's a, there's a show that has these birds that are being saved by a cat, and they have to bring them food. But that's what the Jews um, were saying, um, that there was, there was the first to insist the collection of the poll tax on the Christians. The Christians were persecuted, and their churches were destroyed. On 737, the Caliph Mahdi decrees that all Christian uh, churches built since the Muslim conquest and be destroyed, and over 5,000 Christians from Halab were forced to accept Islam or death. You're on the air. You're on the air. May I help you? Hello? Trying to... Hello. You're on the air. Do you have a comment or a question? Oh, how you doing? No, I just actually tuned in. I, I don't know what uh, you're talking well, about. Oh, you just actually tuned in. Well, I'm glad that you tuned in. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Um, 
It's it's good to have you online. So if you ever have any questions or comments, you're welcome to do what you just did. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, enjoy the show. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, on uh, 1014, during the reign of Caliph Al-Qadar, the Muslims sacked the houses of Christians in Baghdad and destroyed and burned down many of their churches. The Caliph, at the same time, destroyed the Church of the Resurrection in Jerusalem and other churches in the same city. The Caliph ordered the town criers on heralds in each place to announce that according to the will of the ruler, all his subjects should embrace his religion. The Christians and the Jews who did so should be rewarded. If they resisted and did not change the religion, they should be punished. If they they resisted and did not change the religion, they would be punished. Now, I just, they were not allowed to have rings on their right hand or ride on a horse, only on donkeys. If they disagreed, uh, disregarded the uh, order, their whole property was forfeited to the state and they were expelled from the country. Many Christians immigrated to the Roman Byzantine territory. Others embraced Islam, but a great number remained and defied the ordinance. They wore crosses of gold and silver around their neck to show their religion. The caliph ordered that every Christian who wore a cross of gold or silver should have it exchanged for a wooden one weighing four pounds. If they resisted, they should be put to death. So what I'm trying to show you is in in Assyria, in the time when the Islamic nation began to take over Syria, the Christians were persecuted. Uh, this is an Antichrist spirit when the Christians are persecuted and uh, killed. And it continues. It continues in 1261 uh, when Assyrians fled Nineveh. Then the thousands of Syrians, Christians, fled the Nineveh plains, plains villages uh, towards Arbel to escape the overwhelming numbers of Kurds who were ordered by the King Saleh Ishmael to immigrate from the mountains of Turkey to the Nineveh plains. The villages were looted and thousands who did not reach Arbel were butchered by the newcomers. The nuns' monastery was invaded and its inhabitants were brutally massacred. In 1310, the Arabs, with the help of the Mongols, captured Arbella and massacred all the inhabitants that were not to, were not to be sold as slaves. Here is a description of the event. And they, Assyrians, went out at daybreak on the Sabbath with their sons and daughters and wives without any weapon and without a sword and without a knife. And when the wicked people of the Arabs saw that they had come down, they were filled with fierce passion and they drew their swords and they slew them from the greatest of them to the least without pity and without fear. Of those who held out in the fortress, famine vanquished them completely. Widows stretched out their hands and wept, and there was none to bind up what was broken. And there was absolutely no one to bury the dead. Who was there who had strength enough to dig a grave? Orphans died on the dung heaps. 
Others fell down dead in their houses and dried up, and others hurled themselves down from the wall. And those Arabs who were below received them on their swords and hacked them to pieces. Their visages are are blacker than ashes, and they cannot be recognized. Their skins have shrunk on their bones, and they have dried up and become like wood. Far happier are those who have been slain by the sword than those who have been slain by hunger. Now, this is repeated over and over and over again throughout the years. Now, the Jews and Christians have been killed by Muslims throughout history. In Arabia... Muhammad first put an end to the Jews near Medina and next, in 628, subjected those of the district of Kaibar and Wadi of Kara. Uh, they subjected them to the poll tax or to Islam. Armenian Christians, it is, a, it is estimated that over 10 million people were killed by jihad-style genocide from 1915 to 2003. That's pretty much in our area, meaning, you know, in our timeline. Palestine, Jews had to pass Muslims on the left side because that was the side of Satan. In Morocco, the worst insult that a Moroccan could possibly offer was to treat someone as a Jew, you know, someone who is not a Jew as a Jew. In Yemen, the Arab natives have always considered the Jews unclean, but his blood for them was not considered unclean. They lay claims to all his belongings, and if he is unwilling, they employ force. The Jews live outside the town in dark dwellings like prison cells or or caves out of fear for the least offense. He is sentenced to outrageous fines, which he is unable to pay. In case of non-payment, he is put in chains and cruelly beaten every day. Before the punishment is inflicted, the Kadi or the in gentle tones and urges him to change his face. Now, this is what the Antichrist is going to do. He is going to urge you to change your face. Um, and so, this is what Islam do, does. They they will talk to you, try to help you change your face, and if you don't, you will have death. Uh in this particular incident, he said uh, he'll address them in gentle tones and then urges him to change his faith and obtain a share of all the glory of this world and the world beyond. His refusal is again regarded as penal abstinency, meaning that they will be killed. The the uh, persecution and the killing of Christians have gone on in Tanzania, Libya. Algeria, Syria, Egypt, Iran and Persia, Iraq, Spain, and in Sudan. These are all Muslim countries, and all of them have killed both Jews and Christians more than any other people on the face of this planet. So that is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, as I've said, the the you know the the nations that we see today surrounding Israel, the nations of Ezekiel 38, who will come against Israel, uh, the prophecy of Ezekiel 38, of Rosh, Magog, Persia, Kush, Put, these are all countries, Turkey, surrounding 
uh, Israel. These are all Muslim countries, Islamic countries. And I did a show on that particular uh, event of these kingdoms. Now, as I said, the, Greek, the, the four kingdoms today were all Muslim. Rosh is Russia or chief, and that is in uh, in southern Russia. It's not really uh, it's not really uh, central Russia or far Russia. Magog is in Central Asia. Um, the territory could include Afghanistan, Tajikistan. Kyrgyzstan, those kind of countries. Mishek is Turkey. Tubal is also Turkey, also southern Russia and Iran. Persia, of course, is Iran. Ethiopia, Kush, is Sudan. And these are all the all the names of the countries in Ezekiel 38 who are going to be coming against Israel on the last day. Put, Libya. Gomer is Turkey, and Central and Western Anatolia. Beth Togomar, Mara, is also Turkey. Turkey has four, it was split up into four sections in the other empires. The Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, Turkey was split up. That's why you have four areas called that. And many people with you are the Islamic nations. And that could be possibly Iraq, Syria, Jordan, Egypt, all of those countries. And on one of my shows, I, I do have a website called As the Day Approaches. <laughs> Just like the show, cool. Um, it's as com, And on there I will have each show. I will have maps. I'll have more maps than I can have uh, when you're looking at the show that you're listening to right now. And uh, you'll get to see how closely each empire looks like. Um, And you'll understand that a little bit more. Trying to think of uh, what I want to uh, continue with in this because um, as far as Islam being Assyria or the Assyrian, the Antichrist, yeah, I have to do a whole another show on that, which I already did, uh, who the Mahdi is, what he claims to be, and that is in uh, the Mahdi, also uh, some of my other shows, um, about the Islamic Jesus, the Mahdi, the 666, the one before that, uh, explains a lot of what um, Islam, the Islamic eschatology will look like as the Antichrist. Now, Chuck Misler, who is a prophecy buff, and there are a lot of things I agree with him and some things I don't, just like in, in everybody, he, he has some interesting things to say about Islam and the Assyrian. Do I have somebody on the air? Yes, you do. How are you doing? Good. How are you? 
I'm great. I just got a few questions. Sure. Question. You, 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 you. The Israel that they are talking about in the Bible is Jacob, right? Israel that they're talking about in is in. Uh, what are you? Where are you going with that? Is well, Jacob? You, you saying that? Yeah, you're not, talking like Ishmael. Israel is. You said Israel was surrounded by the Muslim countries, but. Israel. Um, today they are. Are you saying yeah. they're not today? Yeah, but the original Israel was Jacob. And the children right. of Israel is the children of Jacob. So it's right. not a state. It's not a state that's surrounded. It's twelve tribes that spread out throughout the land. The lost tribe is the tribe of Judah. Another comment I want to make is you said that the Muslims, that the Antichrist is going to come through Muslims. I don't. I think people fail to realize that the angel Gabriel that came to Mary is the same angel Gabriel that came to Muhammad in the cave, who started uh, uh, the Quran. <clears throat> are, you, actually, are you? Are you Muslim? No, I'm not. I'm over religion. Okay. I studied all religions. So I'm over religion. You, okay, you're over. You're over religious. Is that what you? Are you? Are you done with them? I'm over it. I understand it now. You know, I understand oh, gotcha. all religions and, and what they was based for. Well, so, um, well, you know what? I would like to say that that the Gabriel that came to Muhammad in the cave is the same that Gabriel that came to Jesus, but there's quite a difference. Do you really know the story of? The angel and the experience that Muhammad had in the cave with the angel Gabriel? Yes. Did you know that, that this angel um, practically suffocated him when he gave him the message? And that Muhammad was quite disturbed by it? And that he thought he was possessed by a demon? Yes. After, well, okay. That's just Does like, that uh, sound like the Gabriel that came to Mary? Yes, it is. That that sounds like the same tradition with uh, the Most High asking uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son. That's the same thing happened when uh, they were tootling John and he ate the sweet honey and it was bitter in his stomach after he found out what was really going on. These are the same beings. That's not Gabriel. Gabriel didn't come and do that. Gabriel didn't come and do what? No, the most high, what I was saying was the most high, the same most high ordered ordered that. I think uh, we fail to realize it's, it's, it's Satan, it's, it's the devil who is separating us uh, through religion. You know, there's only one most high, you know. And that is the same that? angel that came to Mary, that came to Muhammad in the cave after he prayed in the cave. You know, that's but, the same you know, witch comes. And when you say Israel, like I said, that's Jacob. And the children of Israel is Jacob's children. And you got to be careful because Jesus said some going to say they are Jews, but are not. They are from the synagogue of Satan. So you really have to be careful. And you you suppose to not judge. Remember, Jesus said, judge not, lest you shall be judged. So well, he says we're supposed to, to really test the spirit. So we have to test the spirits, and that's why that's why I do shows like this is because we have we are told that we are told to judge and not judge. We're we're told to judge, not to judge uh, without reason, and to judge amiss. 
we are not to condemn as we are to judge between what is right and wrong. We're supposed to judge according to the word of God. We're supposed to judge a lot of things. So uh, that's, you know, when you use that, you you know, we're supposed to judge between right and wrong. There's a lot of things that we're supposed to judge. So It's not judge. You're supposed to make Gabriel, discernment. You're supposed to make discernment between right and wrong. I mean, if it's for you or if it's not for you, not you're not supposed to condemn it, you know. You're not supposed to condemn uh-huh. it. See, religion separates us, you know. Religion really separates us. It really does. You need to study you, each so religion. You studied, you, studied, you studied all the religions and you agreed that every every religion goes to the same place? Yes, all religion goes back to uh, cuneiform. Sumerians. Uh-huh. Even in the Bible, yes. if you go to if you go to uh, Ezekiel eight fourteen, it talk about Tammuz. Tammuz was the Babylonian deity from Sumeria. Uh-huh. So you really have to be right. careful, is what okay. I'm saying. Satan is playing a very well, good right. trick. Remember, right. Satan's supposed to come and deceive the whole world. You and know, this he is does what that. we're talking about too. And and I want to I want to uh, ask you. You know, mm-hmm. you said that Gabriel is the same that appeared to Muhammad. Now, I have before me uh, the story of Gabriel, and I want my listeners to discern, to judge whether or not this is the Gabriel of the Gospels. Muhammad was torn from his sleep in his mountain cave. And First of all, I'm sorry, who, who wrote this? This is this is uh let's see Karen Armstrong who is an a, a popular a popular and highly sympathetic writer about Islam uh was telling this particular um story about Muhammad. Karen Armstrong is not against Islam. She is not judging Islam and she's probably somebody I would not agree with. So she is writing a commentary a piece on his experiences. So this is what he said. So uh, hold it for a second so I can let my listeners hear what the experience of Gabriel with Muhammad. Muhammad was torn from his sleep in his mountain cave and felt himself overwhelmed by a devastating divine presence. Later he explained this ineffable experience by saying that an angel had enveloped him in a terrifying embrace so that it felt as though the breath was being forced from his body. The angel gave him the curt command, Ikra, I don't know how to say it, recite. Ikra means read, Ikra. Mm -hmm. You say that right? Okay. See, I'm really bad with Arabic or whatever, so, so you can correct me all you want on that. Muhammad protested that he could not recite. He was not a... Kahin, do you know how to say that? Well K-A-S. educated man. Mhm. But can you say can you say uh say it? Can you say it for me? How do say you say it again? It? Kahin is K A H I N. Kahin. Kahin, okay. Mm-hmm. One of the es- uh, ecstatic prophets of Air Arabia, but he said the angel simply embraced him again until just as he thought he had reached the end of his endurance, he found the divinely inspired words of a new scripture pouring forth from his mouth. So, 
Hmm. Does that sound like the Gabriel of the scriptures, or does that sound like somebody who is forcing himself upon Muhammad? Actually, what happened, you said Muhammad couldn't read, so he pressed Muhammad to just overstand what was going on. He wasn't trying to hurt Muhammad. Remember, Muhammad was ecstatic, just like when the men came to got Jesus, and they found out who Jesus really was. They fell to the ground. They stepped backwards and felt they was overwhelmed, you know, with the divine presence. That's all that was. He was just overwhelmed, and he couldn't breathe. If if somebody appeared to you and overwhelmed you, of course, sometimes it takes your breath away, and you have a hard problem with He was not trying to harm Muhammad. If he wanted to do My harm to Muhammad, he could have did harm to Muhammad. He was not trying to harm Muhammad. So then why did Muhammad, Muhammad feel like he was hurt or that he was uh, injured he was, of some sort? He didn't say injured. He said overwhelmed or like he couldn't breathe. You know, when you see mm-hmm. something, you're like, wow, that took my breath away. It was an overwhelming experience for Muhammad, just like it was an overwhelming experience for the for the Pharisees who came to get Jesus. No difference. Just like it was an overwhelming experience for John when he had to eat the honey, the bitter honey, and find out what really was going on in the Revelation. It overwhelmed him. So don't, you, you know, you can't just say that's so a bad says- thing, or you can't just say that he came to harm him. Because Muhammad was overwhelmed. He went on uh-huh. and told Muhammad the Ikra, right? Bismillah al told him to go ahead and Ikra read. Muhammad told him he couldn't read, so he pressed forward on him, putting something in Muhammad so he could understand what was going on. And that's what happened. Uh-huh. That, and that wasn't a bad thing. And he told Muhammad, if you ever get confused in this Quran that I'm bringing you, to go back to the Torah. Uh-huh. Back to the Torah. See, uh-huh. it's all connected. It's connected. Don't let Satan divide, you know, he, he divides and conquers. Don't let him do that. You know? Okay, so then what do you think about what he said here? So I, Muhammad, read it, and he, Gabriel, departed from me. And I woke from my sleep, and it was as though these words were written on my heart. N- now, none of God's creatures was more hateful to me than an ecstatic poet or a man possessed. I could not even look at them. I thought, woe to me, poet or possessed, never shall Karash, Karash, I don't know, say it, a tribe of Muhammad say, say this to me. I will go to the top of the mountain and throw myself down that I may kill myself and gain rest. So I will go forth to do so. And then when I was midway on the mountain, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Oh, Muhammad, thou art, thou art the apostle of God, and I am Gabriel. Hey, he hey, hey, he heard a voice from where? He heard the voice from heaven. That this is right. the apostle Gabriel. Uh-huh. No, what, and, what and, was he experiencing and, and there? Another, what was Muhammad? Why did he want to kill point, himself? Real fast, another key point he pointed out was, he wrote it on his heart, just like Jesus said, the New Testament will be written on the hearts of men, not on clay tablets. But Jesus never and wanted to go stone. kill himself. Jesus didn't want to go kill himself. He he actually Satan asked him to jump off the cliff. Well, so why Satan would Muhammad want to kill Satan, himself? Satan asked Jesus huh? to do the same thing. He was being tempted. Remember, Satan took Jesus no, out no, in the wilderness Satan and did the same thing. Off. Excuse Satan me? jumped in. 
the difference is Satan asked him, uh, told him to jump off and test God, and Muhammad said, "I want to kill myself." He was overwhelmed. There's a big difference between the two. He wanted he, to, well, why would you be so overwhelmed that you want to kill yourself? Because once he figured out what he had to do in the mission, he was sorry that he asked for it. The same thing with John. You know, when these things come to you and you really find out what's going on, it's very overwhelming. Excuse me? Yeah, but he was torn from his sleep. How can he ask for it? He was torn for, from his sleep. Well, that's, like why he he used to go, that's why he used to go to the cave and pray. He was praying for change. He was praying for something new. That's what he was uh-huh. praying for. That's why he used to go to the cave all the time and pray. His wife, Khadijah, was a Christian. You see that? Well, how many how many wives did he have? One of his wives was a Christian. Yeah, Wasn't Khadijah. he killed by a Christian woman or a Jewish woman? Yes, he was. Wasn't he poisoned? Okay. Yes, he was. Because why was he why was he uh, poisoned by a Jewish woman? What was well, the reason because, why he, he was poisoned? Yeah, what they wanted to do was they wanted to take what Muhammad said and change it around. They actually did it. Uh, that, That's why that, he was poisoned. Excuse me. Is that why he was poisoned? Yes, he was poisoned to stop him from uh, doing from his mission. Woman. And they wanted what they wanted to do was take over what he was doing, change the message that the angel had brought to him, just like they changed the message of the real Messiah, Jesus. You see that? They changed you know that the real message of Jesus. Paul, I'm sorry. You don't know how he was poisoned and what, who poisoned him? It was a woman who poisoned him. It was one you of don't his know the story of it why was, he it, was poisoned? It was one of his wives who poisoned him. I know. I don't know the exact story. I have to yeah, read it. Well, you know what? You well, kinda, kinda, sorta. Uh, do you know what Muhammad just did before uh, she did that to him? No, go ahead. I'm listening. Muhammad killed her husband and her family, and then wanted to take her for his wife. And she said she, out of uh, fear and uh, out of uh, a very frustration of what she just did to hit her husband and her family, killed, slaughtered them right in front of her, and then she cooked him a sheep or a goat or a lamb or whatever, I can't remember which, and poisoned him, and it took him two months to die, but that's how he died, from a woman poisoning him who she had slaughtered her family and her husband right in front of her. Well, I'm not so sure about the. Part. I'm not sure about the. You might want part. to go check on that story. <laughs> I checked that, so, but that still that still doesn't change that the angel. The prophet of God will go and murder a family and take a woman. Hold what up, kind of prophet? Up. Okay, hold up. The Most High Himself ordered the murder and rape of the people in Canaan. When the Exodus was going on, He said, "Go, save no one, murder all women, men, and children." Stop well, so thinking that your most highest. So if Muhammad is a greater prophet than Jesus, then why didn't Jesus do any of that? Why didn't oh, Jesus who just said Muhammad was a greater prophet than Jesus? A Muhammad himself? No, he didn't. And, and he all said of he Muslims, was, he is the final prophet, and he is greater than Jesus. Uh, do you see, know that the Mahdi, the Mahdi? The Mahdi, that's where they changed it up. That's why I tell you, don't let Satan fool you. Get the original doctrine. The Mahdi. No, no, the Mahdi, the Mahdi is going to come back, and Jesus is going to come with him, and Jesus 
is going to heal and he is going to bring uh, honor to the Mahdi. And then the Mahdi is going to order Jesus to go kill the Jews and the Christians if they do not turn to Islam. Who said that? Uh, that, that is, is that is Islamic that is, see, see, that's the, what Satan yeah, did. The, see, Satan, huh? Satan did the same thing in Christianity when Paul went and said, it's all right for y'all not to do the Sabbath, when Paul went and changed all of that stuff. And see, Paul had no right to do that. Paul wasn't there. Nobody blessed Paul and told Paul to do that. Jesus didn't tell Paul to do that. Yeah, he heard Jesus on the side of the road, but Jesus was straightening him out. Jesus didn't tell him to go do that. See, you got to be careful, you know, what Satan does. You really have to be careful. And you got to remember he's going to come and deceive the whole world. So that's you and that's me, too. So we have to be careful. You know what? You gotta, you gotta under, you gotta understand. If you're gonna speak on behalf of Muhammad, you're gonna have to know what he did and said, and what the Islamic eschatology that I am talking about on these shows that I'm doing is the Islamic eschatology. You need to know that a little bit better before you defend it, because you are defending something that uh, you don't really understand. No, I'm, I'm, I'm the. See, I keep telling you, if you go back to the CUNY form, you'll get the whole truth. That's why I said I'm over religion. I'm over religion. I'm over that spell. It's a spell. It's a little bit of truth in there to get so you attracted are, why, why to it. Why are you it. familiar with Muhammad? Why are you so familiar with Muhammad? I mean, at least a little bit because you can speak. Well, because the original story, the original story is in the CUNY form tablets. If you read the CUNY form tablets, you'll get the original story. The the cuneiform tablets. Have you read them? Have you? Yes, I have. I have read the cuneiform tablets, the Atrahasis, the Elish, which means at new on high, you know. So. Are you speaking? What language are you speaking? That was Assyrian. Enuma Elish is back in the Babylonian Assyrian days. Ah, gotcha. <clears throat> okay. So, did you learn that language, or or or? or I'm or not what? fluent you... in it, or you know, I'm okay. not fluent in it. I just know, you know few words here and there. I'm not Have you done a lot of study in the Babylonian religions and the and the um Yes, I know about Anu. Do you know about Anu? Anu, no. You don't know, see? You don't you, Anu is the original title for the most high. Oh, Even gotcha. if Jesus said you are from below, I am from Anu. Say what? Jesus said you are below you are from you are below from and below. I am from Anu. Anu, which means above or on high. Uh-huh. You, you can look right. that up in the Greek, and, and it'll mention Anu's the name Greek. in there. It's in the but, Greek, too. Yeah, and they call Jesus Tammuz. See, y'all calling Jesus. Oh, it's, it's, I know just, Tammuz. Yes. I know about see? See? How do you know about him? Okay, so they, the no, Jesus' original name was Tammuz, but they change it to Jah, Zeus. Jah and Zeus. Remember that because the Romans and the Jews made a deal. Remember that. Was so they incorporated the, the, the two uh, gods, was, which was, was that Jah. The Roman one of uh, Tammuz. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was one of the Roman gods during the time no, of Tammuz Jesus. is a cuneiform Babylonian or Assyrian Tammuz. Right, but but Rome had a lot of gods. They had a lot of. They took a lot of the yes, great gods. Yes, Rome had a lot of gods. So. Uh, uh, Tammuz was part of that no. society at the time. No, dear, Tammuz no. was not. Well, that, no. Was it a dead religion then? Excuse me? 
but a dead religion, then. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear During you. During the time of the Roman, the time of the Roman Empire was Timaz to, to not a, a god any, anywhere, or was it just No, not in the Romans. The Romans, the Romans worshipped at Zeus and uh, Olympics and those type of deities. Tammuz wasn't a part of that. Okay, Tammuz was before something. that. Right. I thought there was something that actually um, they they had there. There must have been uh, something. Anyway, I'm not real familiar with it, but I, I have heard about him. So, but yeah. Um, but you have a great show. I'm not trying to put down your show. You have a That's great show. I, but I, I, I just yeah. like to warn people. Me. Excuse me. <laughs> I, I enjoy you calling me. I enjoy the conversation. So, um, and and. Uh, I appreciate you calling in. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Right. And I hope you join in, a, in again sometime. I will. I will. I'm going to go to your okay. website and leave you some uh, information. Okay. Okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Now, my listeners, this was this was a very interesting conversation, and and I I really wanted you to hear a little bit what he was saying, and I'm sure he's listening to me now, and I respect him calling me and 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 talking about what he was talking about. But when we test the spirits and discern the spirits as he put forth, uh, the difference between Gabriel. With Mary and in the New Testament, uh, the Old Testament, New Testament is quite different than what the experience that Muhammad had with Gabriel. Um, Gabriel seems to appear in a lot of cults as well. Um, uh, so a lot of people like to get the messenger Gabriel as part of their um, philosophy, not philosophy experience. So. Everything has to be judged upon the scriptures. So the character of Gabriel, you have to get to know in the scriptures. And then when you read about him or hear about him elsewhere, you will be able to discern. Um, One of the other experiences with uh, Gabriel uh, that Muhammad had was that... uh, he, after this experience in the cave, he said, then Allah's apostle returned with the inspiration, his neck muscles twitching with terror till he entered upon Khadijah. And now this guy, I, I didn't even get his name, but he speaks that really, really good. He sounds really good anyway. He might be saying it wrong, but I don't know. And said, cover me, cover me. They covered him till he, his fear was over and then said, oh, Khadijah, what is wrong with me? Then he told her everything that had happened and said, I fear that something has happened to me. Um, And it wasn't uh, just Muhammad who suspected a demonic source uh, to his revelations, but clearly many of Muhammad's contemporaries also believed that his revelatory experiences were demonic and that he was demon-possessed. Muhammad thought he was demon-possessed. That's what happened after his experience with um, the angel Gabriel. Yet they turned away from him and say, tutored by others, a man possessed, and that's in Surah 44 14, and say, what? Shall we give up our gods for the sake of the poet possessed? Surah 37, 36. So they thought he was possessed, but 
But you just have to compare the differences between the experience. And there is actually writing about his experience with with the, the angel Gabriel. So um, great show. We've got about eight minutes left. And uh, I, I hope that you enjoyed some of the conversation we had. And uh, I hope that more people will call in too so we can discuss and hammer out some of these things that that uh, we've been talking about. Now, uh, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is no other than him, that all religions are not one. All religions do not lead to the same place. All religions do not have the same message, that Jesus of Nazareth, as written in the scriptures, of the Old Testament and the Jewish scriptures of the Old Testament and New Testament is the only way and that through him is revelation. Now, Muhammad uh, says that he, uh, and Islam says that he has the final uh, revelation and that anything that is said after what was said first trumps or can delete or deny or or make um when you call it null and void, what was said before. That's why uh, anything that Jesus said can be overrided by what Muhammad says. And so uh, <clears throat> Islamic belief is that Muhammad is the final prophet and that it is the, the, the Mahdi who will be returning and that Jesus will be a lesser uh, prophet person of significance. My name is Brenda Johnson, and I want to thank you for joining me. And as the day approaches, my website is as the day approaches.com, and you can write me as on the day as the day approaches um, at mediacombb.net. I have a Facebook page, Brenda Johnson, a personal website a personal Facebook page, and I also am an administrator of a page called False Teachings, Identifying Them. We talk about all kinds of subjects and and issues there on that page, and I want to welcome you to come there and join us there. I want to, uh, Next week I'm planning on uh, talking about the Temple Mount, uh, hopefully, uh, if I can get that together, about the Islam in Israel and the temple, the fight for the Temple Mount. We're going to start going in from Islam or from Islam to Israel and putting them together in the last days and seeing how uh, in our day and our time things are being fulfilled right before our eyes. And it should be exciting. So thank you very much, and I, I God bless you all, and have a great day.